Very cool. Hey, so uh, we've been in the middle of, of our series, uh, In the Wild. Who's been enjoying the series so far? I listened to, um, to Jordan's sermons last week, and they were, they were amazing, right? And it got me thinking that this, this idea of being in the wild is it's an interesting one. Because you, you might, if, if, you're, uh, if you're observant or um, slightly cynical, you might have looked at, at this idea of being in the wild, and you might have looked at the idea that we've just finished called revolutionaries, right? You might be like, well, are they about the same thing? Like, really, we've got one idea about being revolutionaries, changing the world. Uh, can one person change the world? And then we've got this idea of in the wild, stepping out into the world, presumably to change it. Are they... Are they the same thing? What's going on here? And I was, I was thinking about that this week, right? And I was thinking about the idea of, of what does it mean to live in the wild? And it, it does mean, definitely it means that we're stepping out into a world that we need to change. But it also, for me, in a, in a way different to revolutionaries, it focuses us on how do we interact with the world? Where do we position ourselves to, to be able to survive in the wild? How do we thrive in the wild? And how do we realize that we're actually in a place of stretch? We're in a place of strain. We're in a place where we can thrive or we can fall. And often it's up to us. It's our decisions that form where we walk. Is that all right? So that's kind of where I was thinking this week. And then I tried to write something and we'll see how it goes. But if you're taking notes today, today I've titled In the Wild, The Hunt. Right? Ooh. Right? And so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to read the Bible and then we're going to pray because that's the best way to start. Uh, so turn with me, if you've got your Bibles here today, to Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 37. And we should, ah, oh, look at that. Beautifully done. It says this, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, this is Jesus, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Why don't you bow your heads with me and we're going to pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. I thank you for this opportunity to, to open the Bible and to, to read what it is that you want to say to us. God, I pray that, that as we're in this space, as we open our hearts, as we open our ears, as we say, God, speak to me, that we would hear what you want to say. That as, as I speak, that you'd take what I'm saying and you'd transform it, God. I thank you that there's nothing special about my words, there's nothing special about me, God, but that you choose to use this moment to speak to us. That we're open, that we're waiting, that we're willing, and we know that we will leave here different if we choose to listen to what you have to say, God. So I pray that our hearts would not stay the same, that we would hear what you say and we would go out into a world that desperately needs to know who you are. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Very cool. So... This week, as I said, I was listening back to Jordan's sermon uh, on, on Sunday morning. And it, as he said, he was speaking on, on Abraham. He was speaking on Genesis 11 and Abraham being told by God to leave Haram, to leave where he lived and step out into a place of the unknown, to leave behind what he knew, to step out into what God had for him. And he said something that jumped out at me. And this sometimes happens, but, but not often does something jump out at me like this jumped out at me. I don't know if you've ever had that moment you've been... You've been listening to someone speak and you wish you could pause it because you just want to think for like five minutes. I really enjoy, I always have to listen back to pretty much anything that I hear live because I need that moment to pause it and be like, wait, I think my mind just melted. 
right? And so Jordan was speaking, and he says this thing quite near the start. He said, life can really only be all about one thing. And I don't know if, if, if you had like a moment when you heard that, but for whatever reason, I was listening to it, and it made me stop in my tracks. It made me think, what does my life revolve around? If life can really only be all about one thing, if I'm going to uh, just take a moment to believe that that's true, what does that mean? And it made me think of this verse in Matthew chapter 8, specifically this verse 37. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? See, I don't know about you, but in, me in life, I want so many things. There are so many things that, that, that I would like to have in my life. I would like success, just in general. In anything I do, success would be appreciated, right? Success would be great. I would like love. I would love to have awesome relationships. I would like to feel loved. I would like to, to just know that I'm a person who is loved. I'd like to be secure. I'd like to have security. I'd like to probably, if I'm being honest, be comfortable. Never really have to step outside of my comfort zone. Never really have to stretch myself. And yet, if life can only really be about one thing, how many people know that if your life is all about success, chasing success, getting the promotion at work, moving ahead, becoming the next best thing, stepping up the ladder, you might not have the chance to pursue love in the way that you could otherwise. Right, and definitely if you're all about success, you're not going to be able to stay secure your whole life. If you want to be successful, that's going to take stepping out. So if your life is all about success, it can't be all about security and love. If your life is all about love and forming relationships and pouring out into people, at times you might have to say no to opportunities. And then your life's not going to be all about success, is it? Because you might have to deny that promotion because you don't want to move away from her. Or you might want to have to not step on your workmate because you want to actually let him know that he's a nice person. Right? And in the same way, if your life is all about security, you're probably never going to find love or success. Because if you always need to be comfortable, if you always need to be secure, if you always need to have everything lined up all right, you're never going to ask her out. You're never going to apply for that job. You're never going to go for that opportunity. So if, if life can really only be all about one thing, how do we have it all? Right? How do we have everything that we want, everything that we need, if life can only really be all about one thing? Surely we need to be about the one thing that can bring us everything we need. If life can only be about one thing, and we want so many things, if you're like me, and you want such a, a magnitude of different things, the only way that, that we can find our heart's content, the only way that we can chase down everything we want is if we follow the one thing that can meet all those needs, the one person that can redefine success, the one person in which we can find security, who loves us extravagantly. See, living in the wild causes us to focus and to strip away what isn't important. See, I don't know about you, but often when I start thinking about this idea of in the wild, it makes me think of what are the essentials? What are the things that I need in life? What are the things that truly matter? And what's the, what's the junk cluttering everything else? What's the stuff that I'm just taking through life with me that isn't essential and perhaps is weighing me down? Is, is holding me back, is making it harder for me to get from where I am to where I need to be. See, imagine if you will, 
let, let's, let's, let's have a story time, right? I'll lower my voice to a nice baritone, and we'll have story time. Imagine, if you will, an African savanna, right? And, and it's beautiful. You can see uh, elephants roaming, giraffes um, giraffing. Right, you can, see, you can see the setting sun, and then beneath a baobab tree, I had to look up how to say that word, that's one of the trees, and they're kind of hollow on the inside. Anyway, beneath a baobab tree is a lion, and this lion is painting. This lion is painting a picture of the setting sun. Suspend disbelief. I know lions don't have opposable thumbs. Stop it, right? The lion is painting, and he's painting this picture of the setting sun, and he's painting and he's painting, and he's painting, and, and the sun sets, and the sun rises, and still the lion is painting, and he's painting, and he's painting, and as he paints, he starts to get skinnier. See, he hasn't left where he's painting. He's painting, and he's painting, and he's getting skinnier and skinnier, more and more emaciated. He's starting to have his skin hang off of his bones. His, his mane is starting to fall out, and yet still the lion is painting. He's painting and he's painting, and slowly his, his claws begin to dull. They begin to become ineffective. They can't hold anything. He starts to drop his paintbrush. He, he keeps on painting and painting until eventually this lion withers away to nothing, nothing more than a skeleton clutching a paintbrush. It seems like a weird story, right? I wrote it, and I was like, this isn't going to work, but I'll do it anyway. It'll be fantastic. Right, but see... Painting isn't a bad thing for a lion to do. Just follow me, follow me, we'll get there. Right, painting isn't a bad thing, agreed? Does anyone here think painting is evil? That's, or just don't put your hand up because there might be an artist behind you with a sharp paintbrush, right? But painting isn't a bad thing. And, and a lion painting isn't a bad thing for a lion to do. It's an unusual thing and, you know, physically impossible, but it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not a bad thing for a lion to do. And yet, as this lion paints... He's not doing something. As this lion paints, he's not hunting. See, lions, in case you didn't know, in case you missed kind of form one biology, lions are what we call predators. And the way that they survive is they kill and eat other things. Every, every facet of a lion's physiology is made up so it can hunt other animals. A lion is a predator. It's what they do. And their ability to hunt informs and empowers everything else they do. See, their ability to hunt empowers them to be a painting lion if they choose. A lion can paint if a lion wants to. Stop being so judgmental, right? Come on. A lion can paint. A lion can be a writer. He can be a business lion. He can be a stay-at-home lion dad. He can be an inventor lion. Lion can do whatever he wants, right? Lion writes. Come on. But see, what, what happens is... Their strength comes not from their craft, but from their ability to hunt. See, it can seem an inane example, but humans are made for something very specific. We're made for something far more specific than a lion is made for hunting. Humans are made for relationship with God. Right, and, and it can seem ridiculous to think of, of a lion not hunting, a lion painting till he dies. But I think for me in life, so often I'm looking for something to sustain me that is as ridiculous as a lion painting when he should be gathering food. See, if you turn with me to, to John chapter 10, verse 10, 
It says this, I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. See, God has life for us. But not only does he have life for us, he has more and better life than we have ever dreamed of. See, my first point this morning, we're just going to get straight into it, is we need to be hunting after Jesus. See, Jesus defines us. In Jesus, we find all that we need. And it's from that space that we find strength to do everything else. But the main thing must be the main thing. Our lives can only be all about one thing. And I don't know about you, but so often I make the main thing the wrong thing and start to wonder why I'm falling apart. See, the reason we need to think about what does it mean to live in the wild is we strip away any ideas that we have that we can get by without doing the main thing. The important things become so apparent because we realize that we need them to survive. We need them to thrive. We need them to flourish. How often do we... How often do we chase meaning? Right, it can seem ridiculous that, that, that a lion would paint rather than hunting. I feel like I've said that five times, but it, let's agree, yeah? A lion painting rather than hunting is ridiculous. Any disagreement? Okay, cool. Right, but it's just as ridiculous for us to look for meaning in something other than relationship with God. And yet I know that I can become so consumed in work and joining the dots, and making sure that project goes off without a hitch, and, and getting the next promotion, and climbing the corporate ladder, and making sure that my career is progressing at the rate that it should be. I know that I can become so consumed in building my home, and making sure my family is provided for, and making sure that I'm planning smartly so that I'll be in a position that I want to be in later on in my life. I know I can be so consumed in my public standing, making sure that, that people enjoy my company, that they, they speak well of me, that I'm well thought of, so consumed in making sure that, that I'm secure, that I know that, that I can walk into a room and feel all right about myself, that I, that I look all right, that I'm doing all right, that I think of myself well enough. And all of a sudden, without meaning to, I'm a lion who is painting rather than hunting. A lion who is trying to meet a need with something that isn't evil, but can't meet the need I'm trying to make it meet. See, I'm, I'm, maybe even we try and meet that need. We try and find that place to, to find meaning in serving in church. We find, tr tr try and find that place in, in being a good enough Christian. And in, in, in being a, a great enough follower of God that, oh God, I'll make you love me and I'll find my meaning in your need to have to love me because I line up. See, none of these things are bad. We can work and that can be amazing. We can have friends and family and that can, that can be fantastic. But we need to realize none of that sustains us. We need to step into the wild and realize what does give us life and what just adds to life but is not at all the source. See, a lion that doesn't hunt and just paints starves. When we look to something else other than our relationship with God to sustain us in life, will fall apart. We need to be hunting 
after Jesus. Only when you realize that Jesus can satisfy your soul will you accept nothing else. See, as an aside, so often, I don't know about you, but, but church for me can be a pit stop. Right? My, my week can often look like a roller coaster. It looks like Sunday, I start up here. I've been to church. I heard an awesome sermon. I worshiped. I praised. It was fantastic. I'm feeling good. Then Monday comes about, and, and Monday was a little bit hard, but I'm, I'm still all right. Then Tuesday comes about, and, and it was a little bit harder, right? You know, I'm, church was a day ago now. Wednesday comes about, and I'm like, whew, the world seems to hate me. Thursday comes about, and I'm like, man, this is getting really hard. Friday comes about, and I'm like, man, I need to kill someone. That's how things are going to work now. I'll murder someone, and I'll feel better. Saturday comes about, and I'm like, man, maybe I should just get drunk to forget everything. And then I come to church on Sunday, and I'm like, Jesus, forgive me for what I did yesterday because life was hard. See, and we go from, from fix to fix, meeting need to meeting need, needing to be, to be topped up at church, church being a pit stop, when we don't realize that we should go to church because we got fed, not to get fed. That church, church to some people is a buffet, to come and to take what they need. And, and I understand at times in life, that's all right. Sometimes that's where we're at. We're hurt and we need repairing and that's why we have a church family around us. But church isn't meant to be a buffet all the time. Church is meant to be way more a potluck dinner. When you arrive with, with cake and you leave with steak, right? Because you bought what someone else needed and you left with what you needed. That you came into a place wanting to contribute something, wanting to meet a need, wanting to lift someone up rather than just saying, this is the place that I need to feed me. This is the place that I need to take. Is that all right? That was just an aside. Good aside though, eh? Right, see, but what I think happens is we become spiritually domesticated, right? We become we put ourselves in a place where we create a dependency on others so that we lose our ability to live in the wild. Right, and just as an aside, because I don't have time to go into it, are you spiritually domesticated? Are you in a place where you're coming to church to have your needs met? And you know that, that if you, and it's good to not want to skip a Sunday, but, but that if you couldn't make it to church, if you had a bad Sunday that your life would be in tatters, that you'd be distraught, that you'd be destroyed because you're not meeting with God at any other place, that you can only meet with God on Sunday. Because if you're in that space, you're spiritually domesticated and you're born to live in the wild. Back to hunting Jesus, right? See, see what happens is Jesus defines us. In Jesus, we find all we need. In Jesus, we find real and eternal life, better and more than anything we could ever dream of. So how do we know what we're hunting? How do we know if, we are li if we're a lion that, that is hunting, that is fulfilling its destiny, if we're caught up in, in making the main thing the main thing, or if we're following something else, if we're trying to make something else sustain us and we're just becoming weaker and weaker? See, I think that the biggest indicator for how much of an impact Jesus is having in your life, definitely for me, is how much I love people. Right, how much love I have left to pour out for other people, for me generally, is the best indicator I have for how good my relationship with Jesus is going. Right, so so the way that the way that I judge how spiritual I am, right, how my relationship with Jesus is going, is when is, is not when I'm in church, right? Because things are great here. 
You come in, there's beautiful music, there's lovely people, people smile at you, you get brownies or coffee or some other beautifully delicious treat. Jordan tells you some great jokes, all of a sudden your week seems way better. Right? It's, it's an easy place to have a great relationship with Jesus. If you're judging it here, it's always going to be all right. How about when you're driving? Right? What happens when, when you're in the car and someone cuts you off? Right? You go, oh, I won't say you, I go from being all right, from everything being fine, to wishing that they would die and spend eternity in eternal damnation. No, no one else, right? That's just me. That's all right. Safe space, safe space. But how many know that the way that we judge how we love other people, the way that we see how our relationship with God is going is how much room do you have for other people to make mistakes? How short is your fuse? How quickly do you go from zero to exploding, not having any room for anyone to make any errors? They cut you off. All they did was come into your lane, and all of a sudden, there's a two-by-four in your hand, and you're outside the car. Right, but, but where is our relationship with Jesus, and are we watching it? Can we be like the apostle Stephen? Stephen convicts me every time I read about him. The guy gets stoned to death. He has stones thrown at him until he dies. And as he is being killed, he prays to God, guide my murderers. Look after them, God. Help them to find peace. Help them to find satisfaction. Forgive them for what they're doing. I get mad when someone cuts in front of me in the grocery line. Right, where are we at? When people come across people from our church or from any church, they should sense the love of God. See, my second point this morning, I've only got three, is when we forget to hunt Jesus, when we start making something else the main thing, something that can't sustain us, we get spiritually hangry. Who here knows the word hangry? I think we've got the word hangry. We're going to chuck up the definition on the screen. And there we go. Hangry. A state of anger caused by lack of food, hunger causing a negative change in the emotional state. I don't know about you, but I get hangry, right? And I don't mean to get hangry. Often what happens is I will be snapping at Emma, and she will say to me, babe, when's the last time you ate? And I'll be like, what do you mean? I'm sure I ate at breakfast time. And she'll be like, it's 6 p.m. I'll be like, yeah, it's fine, I'm fine. Or I don't know about you, but I can get hangry. And what happens when I get hangry is the last thing I want to do is eat. When I'm hangry, the last thing that I want to do is do the one thing that would solve the problem. Right? Emma's like to me, babe, you're grumpy because you're hungry. Eat something. No! I'm not eating anything. I'm not going to ever eat again for the rest of my life. I'm so unhungry, my stomach filled itself automatically. Right, but maybe in life, we're spiritually hangry. We're in a place where we're volatile, we're reacting, we're on the edge. Everything is knocking us down. Everything is making us resort to caveman-like behavior. Everything is making us rage at God. And the one thing we need to do is seek Him. And the one thing we don't want to do is seek Him. See, where in life are you spiritually hangry? You don't like how you're acting. You don't like how quickly you can go from calm to life in tatters. But if you're honest, you don't want to hunt after Jesus. You don't want 
to make that space because that sounds like too much work. And really, you'd rather just stay mad. You'd rather just stay mad. Maybe this morning, the one thing that you need to do is admit, I am spiritually hangry. I'm in a space where I'm volatile, where I'm nasty, where everything falls apart in a moment. And the one thing I need to do is just hunt after Jesus to switch out the thing that I'm making the main thing and realize only Jesus can meet that need. The thing that you're chasing isn't bad necessarily, but it's not Jesus. Other things add to life. Other things can amplify life, can make life more enjoyable, can bring meaning to life, but nothing besides from a relationship with Jesus is the source of life. And as soon as we try and make it, it just breaks the thing for us. As soon as you try and make work your source of life, you'll end up resenting work. Make your family the source of your life, you'll end up resenting your family. It might be a slow burn, it might take years, but it's not the way to do life. We're like lions. We find our strength in hunting after Jesus. And when we hunt Jesus, it gives us energy. It gives us power. It gives us the the ability to do those things so much better than we could if we were starving. So how do we fix it? Right, if, if we know that we should be hunting after Jesus, if we know that we, we might be spiritually hangry, we might be br- just that face, right? How do we fix it? How do we get to a point where we can go back to actually being in relationship with Jesus, to go back to having the main thing be the main thing? So you might be thinking, how? Because, because I don't have a lot of time on my hands, right? I, I don't think anyone here is going to be like, oh, do you know what? I would really like to do that. Um, and, and I've just got to spare two hours every day to make sure I'm seeking Jesus. So thanks, Jono. I'll just write that down in my diary. And, and that's done now. That's easy. Problem solved, right? If, if there is you, congratulations. It's an awesome place to be in your life in the moment. I bet you uh, in, a, in a year, in six months, in two days, that won't be the case. Right? So, so what do we do if we don't feel like we have the time to be spiritual? If we don't have the time to hunt after Jesus, do we look for a quick fix, right? A, you know, like a Jesus hit. Like if you're hangry, you just go to the, the dairy and buy like a one square meal or something and just, oh, now I'm better. Blood sugar up, right? How do we, how do we get, see, if we did that though, if we went for the fix, if we went for the, the momentary pickup, that's just really a hangry lifestyle, there's just a lifestyle of, of a roller coaster. That's really just getting another fix, just going from Sunday being all right to Friday being the worst day of your life. That you can just get picked up. Surely there's a better way to do it than that. A better way than just having a fix to get us back up when everything falls apart. Surely we can prevent hanger. Surely we can prevent getting to the space where our life starts to fall apart, where things start to get too hard. Surely we can put ourselves in a place that we don't have to keep on going through that. See, here's my proposal. You don't need more time in your life. You need better margins. You need better lines around your time, better divisions of time. See, this is going to infuriate a few people, so apologies, it infuriates me as well. But God has given us enough time to do everything we need to do, right? And that statement is really irritating, especially when you feel like, ah, no, he has not. That's why I'm stressed out, Jono. Stop being an idiot. I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do, thus my situation. Right, but God actually has given us enough time to do everything we need to do. There's a whole lot of stuff in that we could unpack, but we're not going to about needing and wanting and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
You do that in your own time. But, but God has given us enough time to do everything we need to do. So we need better organization and better margins. See, my third point is that to beat hunger, to set up a lifestyle in which we don't keep on falling down, we're not roller coastering anymore, we need to create space. We need to create space for the things that matter in life. Turn with me to, there's an awesome example in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And it says this. As they continued their travels, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master, that's Jesus, said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken away from her. See, these women are preparing for someone, but only one of them has enough space to see the God reality in front of her. And the other one completely misses the entire point. See, is it possible in life that we actually have the space to meet with God? We actually have the moments to meet with God, and yet we're so consumed with whatever else we're doing that we miss them. Maybe we can actually create space in our life without really having to change anything. Maybe we just need to be more intentional about realizing that God is right in front of us at every moment, and we only need to realize it. We only need to open our eyes and see Him, and everything would be different. See, if the devil can't kill you or destroy you from doing bad things, he'll distract you and destroy you by getting you busy doing good things. Chances are the things that are in your life that are taking up all your space are not bad. There's not many of us who are like, I'd really like to be more aware of Jesus, but running my drug empire is taking so much of my time. Just, John, if you could come up with a more efficient way of cooking methamphetamine, everything would be better for me. Right, I can't, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about cooking methamphetamine besides from watching every second of uh, Breaking Bad, which I know that it just doesn't really end well for you, so maybe stop. Right, but you might be in life and the thing that's taking your space, the thing that's taking your attention isn't a bad thing. But if you can't be distracted with sex, drugs, and rock and roll, then you can be distracted with good deeds so that you miss God. See, Martha was doing good things, but she didn't realize that all of the fruits of her labor, all of the effort she was putting in, the result of everything she was doing was just ending up on her table. It was only going to result in food in front of her, and she had the one in her house who would meet the eternal hunger. See, how often in life are we looking for a temporary fix? Are we looking for, for something to meet our need? Are we too involved in the thing that we're doing that we can't see that Jesus actually wants to be part of this moment with us? That our needs could be met in that moment, in our work, in our family, if only we allowed Jesus into them. Could you be so caught up in doing good things that you miss the actual presence of God? So caught up in the job, so caught up in the family, so caught up in the craft, so caught up in church, that you don't have space for God, and you're getting more and more hungry, more and more hangry. 
And making space becomes less and less possible and less and less important. See, if you have to go to church, if you have to pray, if you have to serve people, that's a sign that there's probably no rest in your life. If you feel the, the need, if you feel that that's your responsibility, that if you don't do it, God will stop loving you. If you don't do it, you'll lose your salvation. If you don't do it, you'll end up in the naughty book. St. Peter at the gates will be like, oh, you were in it last week, but this week you fell out. And he'll pull the lever and you'll fall down into hell. That, I don't think that's how heaven works, but anyway. Right, but that we're in the space that there's no rest in our life. And I think for, for some of us, our reaction is then, wait, what you're saying, Jono, is, is that I might not have enough rest in my life. And maybe the reason for that could be church. So maybe what you're saying, Jono, is that I need to stop going to church. Right, and so then you're not at church, and then we ring you up, and we're like, oh man, we missed you so much, were we? Well, Jono preached an amazing sermon and told me I don't need to go to church anymore because I need more rest in my life. Let me ask you a question. If you were sleep deprived, right, you were exhausted, you were operating on like one hour's sleep for a week, you were insane, would the first thing you do be to throw away your bed? Right, you're sleep deprived. The one thing you need to do is get a good night's sleep, and the first thing you do is you're like, you know this bed I have? in which I sleep, I think I'll throw it away. I think I'll put it out on the street and I'll start trying to sleep on the floor because that will give me a better rest. See, the place that we find rest, the place that we can find some of the best rest is in coming together in church. Don't stop coming here because you're busy. If you're busy, make sure you're here. Because this is what gives you strength. This is what gives you power. Yes, we need to be meeting with God in other places in our week. Yes, we need to be in relationship with Him throughout the week and not just making church a buffet. But church meets a need, lets us into a relationship with God that we can't find anywhere else in the week. That's why we do it. That's why Jesus said, meet together in, the, in my name. Meet together and, and break bread. Lift me up. Come into relationship together. Because when we do this, we show something to ourselves. We become something different that shows the body of Christ. Christ is present in our midst in a different way than he is when you have a quiet time at home. Church is essential. So please, I'm not letting you. You don't have my permission to use what I just said as an excuse to stop coming to church. If you're going to stop coming to church, it's your decision, right? I didn't say to do it. Is that all right? I just had to do a disclaimer because I didn't want that happening. I was going to I was going to make a literal uh, cartoon noise. See, here's one idea, if I could just get the band up. Here's one idea. Maybe if you took five minutes every day, I know for some of us five minutes is a lot of time, Right, some of your parents, you don't feel like you've got a spare second. I understand five minutes is huge. But five minutes of, of non-productivity a day, five minutes in, in which you don't do anything, you don't meet any needs, you don't, uh, you're not putting anything as your main thing, you're not letting something take over for you, you're not letting that make you feel good. It's not meeting a need. Just five minutes every day in which you do nothing. You do nothing except for meditate on how much God loves you. Meditate on, on who God is for you, that you just sit in God's presence and be still and know that He is God. See, what happens when you're still is you're creating a moment to prevent idolatry. You're creating a moment by creating five minutes of rest in God's presence. You remind yourself that He is God and you're not. Actually, we should be having a day of rest. It's called a Sabbath. 
But let's start off, if you can't do that, with five minutes every day. Five minutes in which you say, God, I'm going to rest in these five minutes and trust that you know what you're doing. That actually I'm not keeping the world spinning. I'm not keeping everything going. I'm not making that project work at work. I'm not keeping my family together. I'm not actually providing for my family. I'm not making everyone continue to not hate me. But that you keep everything going. That you're holding the universe together. That I'm actually not God as grandly as I can seem to think of myself sometimes. As much as I can think that if I stop for a moment, that everything will fall over and therefore surely I'm God. Actually, if I rest for five minutes, maybe I can realize in that moment that you are God. That you are the one who holds everything together. See, it's not easy to do that, but it is essential. See, Christian meditation, for lack of a better word, isn't emptying your mind and thinking of nothing. It's emptying your mind and letting the Holy Spirit in. It's essential to create space in our life because we need to create space for God to fill. How do we expect God to be in us, to be with us, to be moving through us if we don't leave any room for Him? If we're never waiting on Him to to do something, if we're never involving Him in what we do, if you want to take it a step further, invite God into your everyday Don't wait to to pray when you go to bed or when you wake up. Why not pray all the time? Why not be walking down the street and just talking to God? Other people would call it insane. I would call it sensible. Right, to be thinking when you're at work and someone annoys you, rather than going on your own internal monologue, man, I'm gonna do some bad things to them. I'm gonna gonna put sweetener in their coffee. I'm gonna leave the toilet seat up so that she gets mad. Rather than doing that, how about we start praying? Man, God, what what can I do in this situation? I'm so frustrated. Man, God, that person just cut me off in traffic and I would like to grab my crowbar out of the back of my car. I know I shouldn't have a crowbar in the back of my car anymore, God, but I do, right? What can I do? How how can I get out of this space? What's that, God? Do you want me to start praying for that person that cut me off? That seems counterintuitive considering I would like to end their life, but all right. What would happen if we involved God in the mundane? in the everyday, if we stopped thinking that there were spiritual moments, moments in which God was present and realized that He's with us all the time, that He wants to do life with us, that every minute can be church, that every moment we can be in relationship with God, that our our week doesn't have to start off well on Sunday and end up horrible on Friday, but that we can meet with Jesus every single day. And maybe you're in a space and you think you're doing that, That's fantastic, but just check. Are you spiritually hangry? Has something else slipped into the main place? Somehow have you accidentally fallen into idolatry? That something else is now defining you, that something else is is trying to give you strength and life, and it is as ridiculous as a lion painting. See, where in life do we need to let go of something old so God can give us something new? that we need to look for God to speak because we have made space for it. What are we hunting? See, this morning, if, if nothing else, let's remember that we need to be hunting Jesus because Jesus defines us. In Jesus, we find all that we need. Let's look at what happens when we're under pressure, when we're squeezed, what comes out. When something happens, who do we become? Are we spiritually hangry? Have we not realized that we're super, super hungry? We're starved. 
We're on, we're on the line of, of death because we haven't found nourishment and we just need to make the main thing Jesus again. And finally, that we need to, to prevent hunger, that we need to cure our hunger by creating space, by having at least five minutes every day where we are still and we listen and we let Jesus fill us. We let Jesus be the main thing. We look at what we're doing and we say, where is my life at in this moment? Have I made something else the main thing? What I'd like to do is, we've got time, so I, I want to practice that just for a minute. For a minute, we're just going to be still. For a minute, we're just going to be quiet and we're going to let Jesus be Jesus. We're going to let him fill us and, and maybe he'll bring something to the front of our mind. This is what, this is what you're replacing me with. This, it's your job, it's your work, it's your studies, whatever it is. And let's realize that that thing isn't necessarily bad, but it can't meet the need we're asking it. It can't fill the space that we want it to fill. And let's let Jesus back in. So why don't you join me? We're just going to be silent for a minute. we thank you that you fill the space that when we create room for you that you rush in God that you sustain us that you inform and, and inform and, and bring power and meaning to our lives and that God you've surrounded us with so many beautiful things so many things that are good so many things that, that add to life but God that that we would have the strength to not make them you. To not try and make something that can't meet our needs, meet our needs. But that we would be brave enough, that we would be wise enough, that we would be in tune with you enough to create space every day to say, God, what is it you're saying? Where is it I'm going? What is it I'm trying to make meet this need and where can I put you back into the main place? that I can enter into a relationship with you, that I can do life with you, that I can move with you. Amen. It's funny, did anyone find that time uncomfortable? It's, fun, it's funny, just, just a minute, but it can feel so long. You know, I think when we create like at least five minutes, go longer if you want, but it's enough time that we can't keep on thinking about what we were thinking about. We have to empty our mind, we have to forget, and we realize who we are again. We realize I'm not the things that I do. I'm not my accomplishments. I'm not my projects. I'm not my responsibilities. I'm a person, and I'm defined by my relationship with Jesus. So I just want to encourage you this week, let's just try it. 
Let's come back next week. And if it didn't work, let's be upfront with each other. Hey, that thing that you suggested, stupid, didn't work. And then let's find something else. Let's try a different way. But let's always be a people who are seeking Jesus, who need our hunger to be met, who are hunting after the one thing that can sustain us. You know, you might be here this morning and that might have felt extra weird for you because you don't really know Jesus. You've never entered into a relationship with him. You've never chosen to, to make him your God. But in that space, you knew that there was something missing. You knew in that moment, in that space, in that that emptiness that you let be there, that you could fill that space with something that you've been trying to fill it with so many things, with work, with relationships, with responsibilities, with, with things, with power, with security, with whatever it is, and it's not working. See, every Sunday, we want to give you the opportunity to say to Jesus, I need you to be my main thing. To to focus on the one thing that can meet that need. To let in the one person who can transform you. So if you're here this morning and that's you, just as everyone bows their heads and closes their eyes. If you're here this morning and you know that you're not in relationship with Jesus, you haven't asked him to come into your life, and you need to, that your life is broken and not working, that it's painful and weary and you just can't keep on doing it on your own. Friend, Jesus has already died for you. The offer is out there. You need to do nothing more than just accept. Just say yes. Just say today, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to let you in to make you the main thing. If that's you here this morning and you need to make that decision, be it for the first time or you've made the decision before but you want to make it again, I just want you to raise your hand now. Not not as anything special, not as anything magical, just so that you know this is a decision that you're making. I see that hand, thank you. Just so that you know this is a decision you're making, that today you're choosing to make Jesus the main thing. You throw away idolatry, you throw away the things that can't meet your need and you choose Jesus. Had a few people put up their hands. If there's anyone else here this morning, I just want to give you one more opportunity. If that's you, if you want to follow Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand now so I know who's praying this prayer with me. Cool. I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, 